Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience, powered by Gasoline Alley Harley-Davidson, Philly Motorcycle Tires Australia, and TCX Boots. My guest today is three times Australian Superbike champion, Wayne Maxwell. It was great to sit down with Wayne and have a chat in a completely unfiltered conversation. In a world full of political correctness, you always know where you stand with Wayne. He wears his heart on his sleeve and tells you exactly what he's thinking, which is great to see. With Wayne's plan to retire at the end of 2022, he leaves behind a legacy of three, potentially four Australian Superbike Championships and an Ovali series where he's mentoring juniors coming through the ranks in very, very good hands. So I hope you all enjoy the conversation with Wayne. Hit subscribe to our YouTube if you're enjoying our content. We'll be back with another show real soon. Welcome, Wayne Maxwell. Oh, hi, mate. Thanks for having me. Mate, I am absolutely stoked. Well done on your win on the weekend. Uh, must feel pretty good, yeah? Yeah, it feels unbelievable to, um, yeah, as I said, I've probably said it, you would have heard it, but to, um, you know, go to the track where we thought was, we look at the calendar at the start of the year and we sort of look at the races where we could potentially maximise and the ones where we might have to consolidate to win one where we thought we were going to consolidate, it's pretty special. Absolutely, mate. And lap records, you know, qualify on pole and win the races coming away from the weekend. That's pretty damn pretty damn good, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it was a right, right at a tipping point. Mike's momentum has it was it's been strong. So and we sort of knew that our backs were against the wall. We'd we'd had a few things that um, were out of our control going on in, inside the garage and to fight back like we did at, at uh, Morgan Park is, you know, it's a reward for the guys because they need, you know, they're all volunteers and they need the encouragement to uh, basically keep coming back. Who's Wayne Maxwell? Who is he? He's a, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's someone you could either lo- like love or hate. I've got a, you know, for most of the people I've uh, worked with over the years, you know, I've got really good relationships with from racing side. But um, you know, you, you have to you have to put on a front when it comes to racing. It's like a it's a it's a mind game. It's a it's a game of. Um, you know, you have to play. I don't play too much into many of them, but um, you know, if you're seen as a weak or a vulnerable person, people are. Yeah, people try to eat you up out there. Do you enjoy that side of it? Yeah, I do enjoy it. Yeah. I, the politics stuff I don't enjoy, but the the rivalry, yeah, I enjoy. Like, you know what I mean? And when someone's better than me, I'm the first person to, um, you know, I like to congratulate them because without these people better than you, you're only against yourself. And if you win easy, like I really like the challenge. When yep. someone's better than me somewhere, I don't like it. So I work out a way to make, you know, become better myself. And, and that it's not so much niggle, but there's like always banter sort of thing. But I see it in like the podium. There's always handshakes and stuff. That must be a good feeling, yeah? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and like I'm close with some of the other guys and when you see someone like, say, Troy with the adversity he's been through to, you know, I know how hard he worked before he was injured and how hard he's worked after. So I'm stoked for him to be able to see him back on the podium a few times to shake his hand. It's been uh, pretty good. Some of his moves, um, he's riding pretty damn good, eh? Like, yeah, yeah. Some of them pretty tough. Oh, always. He always, yep. even if he's not, he'll still put it on the line. That's yep. what I like about him. Yeah, and that's, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing you look for for all the riders. If everyone does that, you, you're in for a good class, eh? Yeah, I mean, it's not, um, I don't think it's your good days that define you, it's your bad days. Mm. When you're having a bad time, you know, and um, that's really been us. That's really been our team this year, you know. it's um, We've had a lot of bad days. You know, one race will be struggle, even though it looks like from the outside, We've been pretty good, and then to come out and win the next one is, um, yeah, that's that's a, good for us. Where do those bad days come from? Like, obviously, the last uh, 20, 20 and twenty one, two championships in a row. How do bad days creep in in twenty twenty two? Um, just competition. Some, no, well, not really. Things out of our control, like yep. you know, a bit of a, a failure at Phillip Island, crashed out of the crashed out of the lead. What was going to be a race, and then that set up. We had to build a new bike, and then we had some issues that were unusual with that bike, you know, so, and then that was Queensland gone 
and then yep. I went to Darwin. Uh, so we went to yeah, we went to Wakefield, and um, yeah, we had a few more issues like little things go wrong there, new people in the team, stuff goes wrong. But you know that's you can't sort of grow without that. And then um, yeah, Darwin had COVID, so what do you do? You just have to fight on through it and yep. go from there. It still looked good in Darwin. Like <laughs> uh, you see, like things like that starting line thing. What happened on the starting line on? That race. Oh, uh, the the clutch got hot. I had some worn some yep. worn bits maybe that we'd missed and oversight and bits and pieces and um yeah and then I couldn't find neutral so I had the clutch in the whole time. It was really hot. Yeah. And um yeah, so I was a bit flustered with some other stuff going on. Yeah, so fifty fifty. It's just uh sometimes it uh, happens, but it's like yeah, that's what I said. It's it's how how we bounce back yep. after that. And um yeah, we honestly I haven't had a great feeling with the bike for a few of the races and um, the guys could see that I wasn't riding at my best. So they asked me, you know, they're always apologetic and say, yep. well, you know, it's not, they never blame me. They're always like, well, why, what's wrong with the bike? Cause you're always pretty much perfect. They tell me, so wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, hard to believe, right? Yeah, mate. <laughs> um, with, with like, uh, obviously having mistakes, like, uh, or something happened like Phillip Island, this is obviously an issue there. How do, how do you bounce back from that? Do you just, you, are you someone that just forgives it and just gets straight back up and says, whatever, let's get on? Well, I just look at it like I've been through there hundreds of times and only crashed once. So my yeah. first fly was um, a tenth off my fastest lap in the race one in second race Wow. off that. So, um, yeah, didn't think about it too much, Straight mate. on. And I hadn't really ridden that bike at all. So it was pretty um, – to go through there and just uh, tip it, go put it on the line. By that time, uh, it was funny because – I was thinking, I don't know what it went on. Like, that was weird. I didn't do anything different. I'd struggled and then I just, you know, I was struggling a little bit with the feeling and then I crashed in the race. Yep. So that was really strange. And then um, just as I was putting my helmet on to get ready to go out as a two-minute siren, when I seen there was a massive fluster in the garage and I heard Craig say, what the fuck do you mean? Like, you know, and I was like, and then I seen him flustering around with the front tyre and then um, as I went to go out, he said, oh, we found the issue from race one. You'll be right. Uh, and uh, so and then um so then yeah we went out and away we went wow yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's a tough one yeah. um where did it start for you mate uh, like you're a Wollongong kid originally so where did it start yeah well it started um I guess my dad was always into motorbikes Wollongong in that era um you know uh, when I was growing I was born in 1982 so um yeah October 1982 and I guess uh, motorbikes were massive. Wayne Gardner won was a first, on his world championship in '87, so like you know they shut down the whole town. There's a ticket take parade, yeah. you know, and then in ten years, just under ten years later, Troy Corsa wins world two bike championship. So in my time, my exposure, I've got two world champions that have come from the same hometown. Yeah. Um. So that part of it was pretty special, and yeah, as I said, my dad he had a motorbike shop, a small mechanical repair business. So. You know, like there was a lot of influential people that are around motorcycling that either helped, you know, your gardeners or, you know, all the other famous motorbike riders that come out of Wollongong. So, yeah, I guess it was just around. And, yeah, I played rugby league really until I was uh, 13 and then I was trying to do both and I was, like, quite good at rugby league. And then I was like, I don't know, I just wanted to race motorbikes. I don't even know, I don't even know how I came to the decision to do that because I gave away what was potentially a solid career in playing rugby league that could have been whatever and yep. um yeah just decided motorbikes for me do you think talented people can do like talented things like oh, that i can't juggle mate i, okay. can't, I, can't, I can't do backflips i can't do um it's I like a know. dedication thing probably yeah i guess a lot of it's a mind a, a mindset yep. and um yeah it's i don't know over times you think you look at people and you th- i see people on motorbikes go far out they got some talent mm. like some of the way the skill on the bike but i think one thing you can't create is hunger Mm. And I think the hunger comes from your upbringing. 
So I think, you know, depends on your demographic. If you come from money or no money and, you know, you've got to make every post a, a winner because you can't, you haven't got any money, you know, like yep. sort of thing. It's, it's a hard one. So I think um, the upbringing, that creates hunger. It's interesting because I was born in Buloi. Yeah. Right? And so in Wollongong. Yeah. Um, loved motorbikes my whole life but didn't win three Australian championships like you. Like had the influences around, obviously, like Wayne Gardner, Troy Corser and that from your hometown, but never won a championship. In it. You know what I mean? And it probably does come to, obviously, hunger and yeah. dedication. You obviously dedicated, you know, your life to this. Yeah, I mean, I had a few ups and downs. It, it actually, like I got my first factory Subite contract when I was 18. Wow. So like that's like, you know, I was lucky. So in my time, um, I started racing dirt bikes and stuff and I was like, you know, okay. I was probably wasn't in a really... I wouldn't say I was in a tough age group, like I was in an easy age group for the dirt track title, say, and then a tough for the long track because my age yep. was in between. Normally they split over those months. So, um, you know, I wouldn't say that part. But uh, also in that time, I got to – there was the first time juniors started road racing in Australia and that was on Morawaki 80. So that was in 97, I think, was our first race. Wow. So, um, look, it was, uh, it, was, it was just about timing really and Premal Honda – that was a, the Honda dealership in Wollongong where we're from. They were friends with Tony Hatton who started the series. Yep. And, um, yeah, they basically put the money up for me to buy the bike because we couldn't afford it. Yep. And then, um, yeah, I just grew over those two years and that was it. My dad had a, my dad and mum made a massive commitment and, um, yeah, to, to have that backing is, you know, have the blessing of your family and stuff is um, – and see my brothers and sisters go without. I guess that's why you've got mm. no choice but to try to win. Yeah, you've got to, hey. Yeah. Is the Morawaki 80 at that time, that was running along with like Australian Superbike Championship, wasn't it? As yeah, I started off like we started, there was a, there was one or two races and we used to do some races on the, like at Eastern Creek on the Saturday night when they were say at the, at the big circuit and yep. stuff at Eastern Creek. Um, but we used to, we also raced at, you know, Wakefield Park and some other, Oran Park when it was like the figure wow. eight part, so the small, smaller yep. part of the circuit. So yeah, got exposed to a lot of, you know, a lot of different things and, you know, in my time there, I guess Westy was just older than us. And then you had Vermeulen, Brock Parks, you know, Josh Brooks, Alex Gobert, Damien Cudlin, him and I were a day age apart. Craig Coxall, like there was a massive wow. like thing of top riders, there's probably a few I've forgotten, but it, it was it was a very, very difficult um difficult time because we've seen those riders go on to massive success and um so yeah, I was just lucky to be exposed to some of the best. Yeah, you name the like proper riders there. It's pretty much the best of what we've had for the last, you know. A good good share of the best of the last twenty years here, eh? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's 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 probably you know the pretty much the best that have gone on. You know, Stoner was a little bit younger, but he was at a few of the practice days, and yep. you know he was unbelievable at the age of twelve. Because you like at your age, uh, you just missed the two fifty proddy sort of era, hey? No, I got the back. I got the back two fifty proddy, but I wasn't actually that good. It was like in the changeover from RGV to Aprilia, so there was a mixture. The Aprilia yep. was probably a little bit better, but. I was okay at times on it, but I wasn't um, brilliant on it. But then as we got onto the bigger bikes, I got better and better and better. Yep. And um, yeah, just lucky enough that people seen something in me and, you know, probably at that time more in, than I seen in myself, I guess. As a as a frame, like if you look at yourself against the current crop of ASPK riders, yep. you're a bigger guy. Yep. You're a bit taller and stuff. We always a bit taller or broader across like you played rugby league you said were you always a bit bigger than some it's funny i was always like the wrong way around when i played rugby i was like rugby league i was small i was too yep. too little and then um i had this growth spurt when i started riding motorbikes probably because i started stopped maybe running so much and yep. doing stuff from that so and then um yeah i was like the bigger guy in road racing so that really suffered through those early categories mm. and then as i said when i got the bigger bikes a bit more power maybe a bit stronger yeah a bit more precise 
like yep. yeah suited my style yeah that's exactly what I was thinking I was like oh at Moriwaki 80s yeah. and then as you move up to like ZX6s and stuff probably really would have found a home at that point yeah yeah and like it's it developed actually bad habits being too big really on the on the small bike because I'd always try to like brake so late and make up in the braking zone what you yep. lost in the thing and then it becomes a seesaw mm-hmm. so um, yeah I remember the day that someone said to me hey just try this someone that you know Kevin, it was actually Kevin McGee he said oh just maybe just try brake a little bit early not so hard and just roll through the corner and I remember being at Oran Park I was in a qualifying on the super bike in 2001 and the lap time just started tumbling down 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 yeah, and I remember, yeah, I remember being fastest in the second qualifying, which set us up for you know a couple of awesome races. It's crazy to think because that's like the probably a dirt track head, isn't it? A little bit too, because you did dirt track, yeah. And just break as hard as you can and block pass, and then worry about the rest afterwards. Yeah, yeah, the point and shoot mentality. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas to get fast, 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 that's not the way to go, is it? Yeah, well, I've, I've managed to find the balance over recent. I can still yep. break quite. I can still, which is kind of good because I can still. I'm quite good on the brakes, so I can make a pass. Yep. Um, but I know when I'm in a, on my own, I can still, you know, keep the rhythm going and make it flow. Mm. Yeah, it's it's yeah, just different styles, I guess. What was the Kawasaki like at that time? Because that's what you got onto. Yeah, right? the, the Subaru I rode was Kawasaki. So yeah, I rode 50 Prodi Suzuki yep. and then 600 Suzuki. Yep. And then I uh, went to Kawasaki Subaru. Oh, I mean. It was a ZX9, so um, at that time Suzuki had a G6R1000 and Yamaha had wow. their R1. I mean, but. The guys that, you know, Robbie, actually Robbie Phillips was one person that put a massive amount of faith into me. And um, at that time, he, without him, you know, and he, he was so smooth on a motorbike and he could still ride quite good when yeah. I first started. So he used to ride with me a fair bit. And um, yeah, and that, the boys did an awesome job. So the crew chief I had at the time was unbelievable. So he's in America now working. He worked for Yoshimura for years and stuff. Wow. And uh, he was really good. He's a Gold Coast guy. And um, yeah, unbelievable. I was just lucky that I, it's all timing and I had a good group of people around me. Who were those influences at that time? Like you look at MR, oh, not MRDDA, but Oceana Juniors or Ovali, like yourself now mentoring people, right? Who were some of the people around the Moriaki 80 time? Um, Bernie Hatton actually, because he's Tony's Tony's nephew, so from Top Rider, he was um, he was really good. He used to run our camps on school holidays as coaching and stuff, so that was really really good, like good fun. And he always he was always actually really fun to do that. Yeah. Um, and then as we got out of that part, I guess um, I was lucky enough. Um, Wayne Clark, who was you know, him and Wayne Gardner won the cash roll six hour in yep. 1982, which is how I ended up with my name, funnily enough. Serious? So yeah, my dad must have been having a few beers with his mates. He's like, that's not a bad name. The boys won the race on Sunday. <laughs> so we, we, well, he's, uh, yeah, well, I didn't have a name for a few days. Maybe he was waiting to see who won the race. Pretty much. I'm glad, I'm glad Murray Sale didn't win it because Murray wouldn't have been that good. A, <laughs> wouldn't have been that good a name. Imagine Murray Maxwell. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so now nah, look, it's, um, yeah. So yeah, look, it was um, pretty, pretty cool. So um, Wayne Clark was a big influence. And then obviously as I got to ride for, over that time, I got to meet um, Robbie Phyllis, who was probably the biggest influence, you know what I mean? So Robbie's a, obviously a massive character in uh, <laughs> in Subike. So at that time, it, for me, it was hard to filter out the um, the both sides of it, the, the stuff that was good for me and the stuff that was bad for me. Yep. But overall, like, you know, he made me a better motorbike rider. So that part of it, I can never thank him enough for. So this era, like you're talking uh, about 2002. Yeah. So, so you're 20. Yeah. So it's a time where you can get influenced pretty quick. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I was already, you know, yeah, I was already probably uh, a little bit, uh, you know, out of control and probably, you know, yeah. my young, my younger personality was probably not have the brain that I have now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, as I said, people back then are probably influenced either love or <laughs> love me or hate me. I think back then more hated me than love me. So were you a wild lad? Uh, yeah, I would say yeah. so. I was pretty wild. Yeah. So, yeah, there was, there was just times along the way that the decisions, 
yeah, I was I was fairly wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I'm, I was I wouldn't say uh, I was either all in. I did everything with massive commitment. So whether <laughs> it was riding or off the track, it was uh, full commitment. Yep. Kawasaki is good times. Oh yeah, yeah. Busy young too. Good times. It was good times. Met so many good, yep. so many good people. Like you know, um, at that time I was. Um, in the road race team, Byron Draper, who's Owens, he yep. was in the working in the motocross team. He just moved down from North Queensland, and it was his first. You know, we're similar age. His first time away from. Oh, true. Yeah, so I've yep. known him for like since yeah, a long, long time. Yep. So that was pretty cool, and then to see what he did, and um, yeah, so met so many good people, like and um, yeah, so many people that you know, um, yeah, I have so much respect for now, and uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty special for me. Crazy to see, like obviously Brian's still in a team and and still working on heaps of different people's bikes and that along the way. My own. Um, crazy to see where some of those people are going that are around at that time too. Yeah. Yeah, like not only does Australia breed good riders, we mm. breed like you know good technicians. Yep. It's unbelievable, and um, I think it's become harder lately because of the regulations. Back in the early days when I was riding, then all the a lot of the regulations in the nineties were the same. So you yep. could. You know, you, like he's used to working on this bike or with these spec bikes, but now we sort of get looked at like, oh, he doesn't know about our spec bikes. So we, even the technicians as well as the riders get overlooked. Is it overcomplicated now? Um, no, I wouldn't say it's overcomplicated. I, I'd say it's actually as a rider, it's, you know, a lot of the older people go, oh, get rid of electronics, get rid of this. But as a rider, you've got you've got a million more things to think about now. Yeah. Like you got like, well, why is it, why is it, you know, yeah, it might, might not slide. You don't have to work on the mechanical grip as much but you've still got to work on okay do i want traction control there or do i want the tire to spin in that part yep. of the race do i want you know do i want the cut to be via the wheelie do i want like there's so many things mm. to think about so your feedback has to be so precise and um yeah and so accurate and your riding has to be consistent because yep. you can't just look at one you can't just look at your fast slap from qualifying you gotta look at a bunch of laps and take the averages because yeah sometimes you can just fluke getting it right but you can't fluke a whole race it's it's really fun. I was I was thinking about this morning before you got in here, and I, a lot of people just say, "Oh, it's good, a good electronics package on such and such a bike or something like that." And I was I was sort of sitting there and I'm thinking, "Oh, yeah, that must be one thing." And with my job, I'm lucky enough to hang around pretty much everyone in the pits and get to hear many different things. And you know, I can take that part of the wheelie out of that sort of section of the track with electronics and stuff. But you still got to have a good balance, don't you? Like a good setup. You can't just say, "Oh, well, we've got a good electronic package." It still needs to have a good technical person behind it. To get mechanical grip and stuff, eh? Yeah, at the end of the day, like you can, ha I can have grip, but yep. I, I won't be going forward because electronics will slow the bike down too much. Mm. So you still got to uh, find the balance between both and um, go from there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like it's a um, such like you said, you cop a lot of flak riding your caddy. The electronics are good, but the thing's got a lot of power to control. It spins the tire yep. very easy, and. Um, yeah, thankfully there's uh, was most of the time the last two years has been two other Ducatis on the grid, so it's um, I've been like, well, it's not that easy because those two guys can't do it. Yep. Have you ridden it without it? Yeah, yeah. What, what's it like? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's yep. all good. Yeah, I like the I like the power. Like I say at Phillip Island, we don't run a lot because you want the tire to sort of spin. So like, yep. yeah, at my biggest trauma at a place like Phillip Island is not enough power. I need more power. Really? Yeah, to go faster because I'm flat out everywhere. Far out. <laughs> that's <laughs> the only thing holding me back. More power. More power. Yeah. Far out. That's yeah. That's insane to think of because, yeah, that like times down there are pretty damn fast. What you got? Yeah, that's right. And that's like it'd be interesting uh, with more power to see if you could, you know, because you're still like 20k an hour down on a full factory superbike. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So and um, yeah. So with that bit extra power to get down to turn one, far out of turn 12 to turn one faster, and out of yep. turn two down the hill, and 
up out of there, up out of Siberia would be pretty cool to see what you could do. Is it still possible to do competitively a wildcard ride in World Superbike, for instance? Or do you think because the the difference in bikes is too far? Uh, yeah, the difference is bikes a little bit. But yep. um, my guys, Craig's got a World Superbike. We've built one. It's sitting there. Oh, really? Yeah, it's sitting there. Um, yeah, obviously we, you know, we thought about November this year, but we've got a little bit, you know, to do to expect me to do good in my ASBK races and the World Two Bike races yep. is probably unrealistic. Um, it's probably disrespectful to my competitors in ASBK to think I can, you know, pay half the attention and yep. go just as good. And um, yeah, if we lost the championship by a small amount or something went wrong, you'd never forgive yourself. Mm. And um, so yeah, look, hopefully we can gear that up and um, yeah, we can push towards February in 2023. As a wild card. As a wild card. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. So it's a proper spec, spec bike. Yeah, it's close enough too. We don't want to change too much stuff, like yep. a little bit of stuff. We've got we've got a really good engine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A little bit. Obviously, the fuel tank has to be bigger because it won't make the distance on fuel. Yep. Um. Different swing arm. Yeah. Different triple clamps for other stuff. You ridden it? No, I haven't ridden it. So it'd be no. interesting to see what it actually, you know, the feel yeah. of it to ride like. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Craig's ridden it around to make sure it runs properly and all the rest yep. of it. So yeah, we're still using some parts on our current ASBK bike. So yep. yeah, be pretty cool, exciting. Jumping into the mid 2000s, 2005s, and that, you're on the ZX10 for Kawasaki. Yeah. What was that like? Well, it was a really tough time, honestly, yeah. to, to be honest with you. Um, so, two, it probably started back in end of 2001. I um, had two options. I had a contract with Phil Tate and Racing. Wow. With PTR. They really yep. wanted me to come across there. And, um, and I had an option to go overseas and do some work for Patronus. So I, I took the option to go overseas, which was a really fun time off the track, but we didn't do anything really on track because the project was halted yep. in a number of reasons. So was this the foggy Patronus yeah, bikes? Yep. Yeah, so we didn't really do too much there because we had a Malaysian connection that helped us out, finance our side of the um, deal, which was through Robbie, which, you know, if everything worked, per if everything had worked out, it would have been great. But again, politics and the way things work. But And then 2003 came back, um, probably thought I was better than I really was. Um, had a pretty up and down year, not too not too bad. Had a few private backers to help me, but probably didn't understand racing or understand how it worked enough then. Yep. And then by the end of 2003, I had nothing. So 2004, didn't ride at all. So, um, and then, yeah, end of 2004, I got back on a bike. I didn't ride. That was probably the longest I've never ridden for. Yep. Got back on a bike and then that sort of set me up for 2005, which was a tough time. I'd moved from Sydney to Melbourne to be close to the team because it was a small team and yep. needed help. And then, yeah, and that's when I met someone else that was a, like obviously a massive influence in my career. Career was 2005. I met um, Stewie Winton who runs the Yamaha, you know, the YRD, him and his wife yep. Janice. They were recently moved to Australia from overseas from Scotland. And um, yeah, so, and I live with them and he's, you know, we got through 2005 and he said, okay, is this going to work? We need something needs to change I'll get all the bikes and do all the prep and do all the stuff you need to focus on racing and then through that time I had some good other backers that were around and um, yeah we got through 2006 we were really good we got a, you know a few podiums front row and Tassie like you know in that time you had every manufacturer had two factory bikes so to be yeah. in the five was was yeah, hard huge. work you know what I mean mm. and um, then 2007 went back to the factory Cowie team um, which was a, honestly another it was a real struggle to be honest so um you know, we went good, but not not great. And then, um, yeah, and that was the cow year. I mean, riding those bikes definitely, as I said, there's a there's a positive to take out of every situation. Yeah. And riding those bikes was definitely um, set me up 
because it made me ride outside my comfort zone, made me do things, get a bike to work that shouldn't have probably worked and, um, yeah, set me up for the next coming years. Because, like, you, you look globally at that time. You're the only one that really got on in six that would have got really close to podiums and that. Because the six, seven, ZX10 wasn't – I think oh. Regis Laconi was on it and – they weren't yeah, really doing much. Yeah, Chris Walker, Regis Lacone. Chris Walker, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was one that, yeah. Yeah, so no, they weren't very good. Occasionally they'd go yeah. good. It was raining sideways and yeah. all the rest of it. But they were, yeah, they were a fair bit of a uh, a camel. And, you yeah. know, it took Cowie obviously a long, long time to get out of that rut that were in. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. Like they built 04, first title back in 2012 or whatever. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah for someone that had a pretty good World Superbike history, you know. Yeah. They, um, they definitely struggled. Jumping into 20, 2008... You jumped up with a freebie on the Honda? Yeah. M- Motor Logic, I think it was yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technic Honda. Technic Honda? Yeah. Yeah. I just finished working at Pirelli at the start of that season. Yeah. Um, how was that? Yeah, it was, um, it was a fantastic opportunity, yeah. to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, I came in. I, I, I knew I had to get away from Kawasaki. Mm. I knew, like, I had a contract there and they were offering, like, not enough, anywhere near enough money at the time to ride that motorbike and I knew my value yeah. and that's one thing that I sort of always don't understand. So I was like, I've got to get out of here. Um, Freebie was, um, you know, I, he was probably unsure because you're riding a Kawasaki, you know, people like Lenny Gould or whatever, yeah. but I'd been, able to beat, I'd been able to beat my teammates, which was always good because they'd been good on other brands. Who'd you have then? Was it Shannon, Shannon Johnson? Johnson yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and he was like, yeah, he was a, he was a really, I've always got along with my teammates really, really good. He was a yeah. really good one. So, um, yeah, then so to come, come out of um, in that era, it was um, unbelievable, really. I struggled, to be honest, because the Honda probably was a lot. It worked. Yeah, right. And I, and Just I, a better bike. Yeah, and I yep. struggled with that part of it. And I'd gone from Dunlop back to Pirelli. Um, and I was just pretty much the only one on the 600 field on Pirelli, everyone else on Dunlop. Mm. So, yeah, basically four factory Yamahas on the grid, 600, Josh Waters yep. on a Suzuki, you know, privateer Yamahas that were really good. So... Um, there was a lot of up and downs. Freebie wanted to sort of pretty much get rid of me after the first little bit because I was struggling that, yep. that that bad. And um, I was probably, maybe it, I was probably looking back, I was probably a, like a handful or whatever. But then once we got the momentum going and um, bits and pieces, we were really good. I didn't, that year I expected, every race I went to, I expected to turn up and battle for wins. Yep. And we could do that. And um, yeah, it was an amazing, it was an amazing time to be able to ride that 600 as fast as I could at some of the circuits, is um, it was pretty cool. It was awesome setup bike. And who would you have replaced there? Would it have been? I know the year before was uh, Russell Holland and Brian Starring. Yeah, so they cut back the program to yep. they were alarming and iron about the six hundred thing. I think. Oh really? Because obviously the Yamaha domination had been yeah unbelievable. Um, so they cut back to they just focused their two riders on the super bikes. So they had um, Jason O'Halloran and Glenn on the super bikes. Yeah, right. Yep. And um, they obviously went on to win the title with Glenn in 08. And Jason was, you know, he was fast at, at certain times. He was, he's obviously seen how fast he is now. He's a pretty yeah. awesome gun. And um, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, then to see, uh, yeah, I was teammates with uh, those guys, which that was, uh, we had the best time too, because, you know, they were teammates. Like, I, didn't, I was no threat to them and yep. they were no threat to my so situation. Good so good teammates. And, um, we had heaps, heaps of fun. But, um, yeah, look, it was really good. And then, obviously, as I worked through that year, I geared up that I said, well, you know, if I'm going to be here, I want to ride that super bike next year. And, um, yeah, once I got on once I got on that and, yeah, for what – not like for what – looking back, I was probably way too demanding for, for Paul not understanding the sacrifices that him and his family made yep. through racing. Like you, you think it's all <laughs> roses and, you know, I want, you know, I want this or I want that. 
but you don't see what goes on in the background. And, you know, now that I'm closer to running, you know, pretty much the team with, you know, I run part of the team, I understand the budgets with Craig. Like I sort of look back at that and go, you know, I probably owe I probably owe freebie a beer to say sorry, mate. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it, it must be hard because like you look at it now, like you're with Craig and you know you're doing it ovale. Yeah. So you're running a business within motorcycling. It's not easy, is it? No, it's not easy. It's it's a it's a, it's a quite a challenge. There's there's always plenty of uh, hurdles to get over and bits and pieces. But um, you know we we do it because we love it and we mm. can make a small living out of it. I mean that's just a bonus. Yep. 2009, you got on the Superbike, eh? Yeah. How was that? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I got to, I remember being at Phillip Island at a test. Jason was overseas doing some stuff in BSB already back then. Yep. And he wasn't there. So Glenn was there. Um, and I remember I got to ride the Superbike at Phillip Island. And um, I just, I'd gone fast in the first handful of laps on the 600 at Phillip Island. And then I high sided out MG. So they parked, they said, oh, that's a waste of time. You're fast enough. And that parked that. Could do some laps on Jason's bike. Yep. And I remember like, you know, being in like a handful of laps, being in the low 33s, and I hadn't ridden a super bike for a long time. Wow. And um, I was, yeah, and it was an unbelievable feeling. And just to, um, yeah, just to be able to do that around there. And then that just reminded, just, you know, sort of showed that I was ready for the super bike. And then that obviously set up for 2009. And yeah, 2009 went to the first, I had a hips, uh, what did I have, a shoulder surgery in the off season. So I was a bit slow getting going. Yep. In the, I didn't do a lot of testing in the pre season. And um, yeah, went to the test at Phillip Island and um, it was with World 2 Bike. They used to let us test there then. Yeah. And um, I remember they had all the times on the screen and there was there was me and then there was Max Biaggi and Ben Spees and so on. So to, to be faster than those guys, I think I did a 32-0 back yeah. then in 2009, which was uh, pretty cool. Jeez, that's, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> you, you look at Ben Spees, he just come off the Moto America or AMA. Yeah. That was his first year in World Supers. Yeah, you got the title that year, and you're faster than him. That's yeah, good. fast test. They, they were on Pirelli, and the Pirelli development is just gaining a lot of momentum then. Yeah, and the Dunlop was probably you know back then, and now we've seen it sort of switch around with Pirelli's dominant. But um, st still, like their bikes were really good, and you know Max was on the factory of Pirelli, and that yeah, was pretty cool. Yeah, and, and there's some big hitters there. Troy Horse's first year on the BM. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people coming into town for that week. So. Yeah, we tested with yeah, BMW at Eastern Creek at a private test, just like not oh, long. really. Uh, no, so that was a year later. Sorry, yeah, a year later we did a private test for them in Sydney. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Were you like you look at uh, our era of person? Uh, did you get affected by the GFC much with riding? Yeah, a fair bit. Yeah. yeah, Honda Honda had a massive cutback. Obviously, in you know 2009 was a solid year. I you know I pretty much. Yeah, pretty much threw the title away in one corner at Phillip Island in 2009, really. Wow. So, um, yeah, I crashed out of the lead. I'd been dominant in every practice and whatever. I had to just win both. There was 11, I think there was, uh, I don't know, nine points between the three of us or something like that. And, um, yeah, I just basically had to, I could have ridden around sort of one-handed and won and I was just that determined to just wipe the floor with them that I, there was a water across the track at turn 12 and uh, had a massive crash there and broke my... Um, yeah, broke my foot on one side, my leg on the other side, and um, that was the end of 2000 and, uh, 2009. That was it. And then, uh, yeah, then, you know, so after that time, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll have a contract, but, but no contract. Honda cut right back, massive, you know, massive, massive cutback. So um, you sort of left, you know, wondering what you're going to do. Was this around the time when Nicky Hayden was coming over and doing some stuff with Motologic or? Whatever it was at the time, do you did you ever do a test with him? No, was, no testing with them. No, 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 no none with Nicky. So because I heard I heard a thing from from a friend saying that I think Paul had had him over at that sort of time when he was still riding Honda GP. 
Yeah. And um, yeah, but it might have been later or it might have been before. I'm not too sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, gas Honda, year after. Yeah, you end was, up picking that up, eh? Yeah, it was good. Well, well, Honda had could move some budgets around and do some stuff, but not enough to do at the level that Moto Logic were doing it at. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, and Jeff Windsor always built really good Hondas from there. And then, you know, so that's sort of, that's how that sort of partnered up. Tony Hinton from Honda did that. And that was a really fun year. You know, we had Richard Parry from Demolition Plus come on us and, you know, he was a massive motorcycling enthusiast, him and his wife, Ange, they yeah, supported us. And um, yeah, it was, it was really good, same deal. Just um, didn't didn't quite get it right. Still hadn't worked out how to how to win and how to make it work. And um, yeah, we fell a little bit fell a little bit short. I think by six points or something like that. Damn. So um, you know, so that 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 started to yeah, that hurt quite a bit because I was like, oh, I need to start winning. This is you know, this is not happening for me. Mm -hmm. So um, it was it was painful. So this is about eight years after your stint over over in uh, Petronas. Yeah. Did did the real of like you obviously yeah Josh Brooks would be talking about going over at that time. Yeah, he was already been over there for that long. There? And yeah, Josh, I speak to I spoke to him yesterday. I speak to him most weeks. We're still close. Did you ever think? Did you want to go at that point? Um, or were you pretty? It wasn't at the forefront of my mind because my yep. mind was if I wasn't good enough to win here, I'm just wasting my time going there. Fair enough. That's always been my thing. It's I've yep. always respected my rivals in Australia, and you know if I can't win on an underdone bike here. I'm not going to get the best bike when I go there. So how the hell am I going to win over there? Yep. Yeah, it's something. Something I said to, or someone on the weekend, or something about uh, the the pride that's actually in winning an Australian Superbike Championship. You see people jaunting off around the world. It's like, win them here because it's a huge thing to win. It's not a gift. You know, there should be pride in it, and obviously you do. And even saying about not doing the wild card for Phillip Island this year, respect to rivals. It's a huge thing. Yeah, it is 100. percent It's it's hard to win. I mean, someone said to me once. Um, I said, well, what's the difference? And he said, well, it's no real, it's, the World Championship's no real different. You've basically just got um, one of you, if you're the best guy here from five other countries. Yeah. So he said, you just got to beat yourself, basically. So he said, like, you know, five of you in every other country, if you're the best guy in Australia. So he said, it's pretty hard. Were you a crasher growing up? Um, 50-50. I wouldn't say I was, <laughs> I was a massive crasher. So yep. I, I had, I would say I wasn't uh a non-crasher. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that's like, I'm just interested because like you look at the last years, last whatever, I can't even count them, but it's just consistent fast. There's not many mistakes creep through. Yeah. My perspective looking at it, but you probably criticize yourself as a human every day about the mistake, but it looks so consistent now. Yeah. I mean, in races, I, I was I was a bit like uh, Marquez. I would crash in practice or do that, but when it counted, I would sort of, you know, I knew that I had to not crash in the race. So, um, yeah, a bit like that. So I would probably crash a fair bit in testing or racing, but then in the races I had a pretty good strike rate at finishing. Do you criticise yourself as a rider? Um, no, I, not really. I'm not over no. – you know, I don't over-criticise myself. I take responsibility for my actions for sure, um, but I move on pretty quick. I don't let it dwell and get over it, you know what I mean? It's all part of it. Now you've got a family. Is it different? Um, yeah, it's a little bit different. There's a lot, obviously a lot of the focus um, – goes away a lot of the yeah a lot of the folks go away from racing because you've got kids and stuff and i you know that's a big commitment to make so i love being there and hanging out with them so the balance balances are difficult time time is the difficult part any mm. spare time you think you had i don't have any spare time now so um yeah if i don't get up and sort of train early in the morning i have to wait till nearly after dinner when they're going to bed to do any training what is your training regime 
Um, I try to train every day. Like I try to do something, whether I run or cycle or whatever. So being from Melbourne, the cycling thing's a bit slow over winter. So indoor a fair bit. Um, doing that and I still do strength and core try to punch out like three to five sessions of strength and core a week and you know um, try to do at least five cardio sessions and that's yep. about it I've got enough sort of experience to uh, yeah work it through When you, whenever you do retire I don't care if it's 60 70 years old or whatever you do retire um, are you going to be a trainer always? <laughs> like are you, is that so ingrained in your body now that that's just who you are? No not really I mean we all yeah, probably. I'd like to think I'm going to still train, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> yep. Also, if you rang me and said, hey, do you want to go for a beer this time? I'd probably say, yeah, no worries. Training can wait. I wouldn't say, no, I've got to go training first. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'd go for a beer and because um, they're, they're like, I've done enough training, spent enough lonely of th- my own thoughts going through my head of why I'm doing this to uh, yep. I haven't spent a lot of time hanging out with mates, chewing the fat. That's, that, that is a hard part. And you said like about being a wild one, sort of a bit growing up and that. You probably still got to see some of your 21st, 18th and that of their mates, but you know, 39 years old now, you've probably missed a few things because of racing. Yeah, definitely. Like, and you've had to, you know, there's been events you go to and you want to have a good time with your mates or yep. um, it's funny now I'm so like, if you ask my wife, we're currently on a road. We've been away for a while on a road trip to the motorhome and um, yeah, she's like, you're so like, you're so relaxed. Like normally you'd be stressed about, you know, oh, we can't eat that. I can't do this. You go, yeah, you've been so, you're so relaxed now and yeah. And I guess because, you know, because I eat a pie or I eat a bar of chocolate, oh, that's why I lost on Sunday. Like, I mean, it doesn't work like that. Was that ever a mentality? Well, a little bit. Like, you yeah. don't want to leave, you know, you don't want to leave any stone unturned and whatever, but there's also a balance. Mm. A happy rider is a fast rider, so eating a block of chocolate makes you happy. Eat a block of chocolate. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll <won't> do that. <laughs> um, 2010, so we, we went through that. 11s and 12s, you're still stuck with the, the Honda. For, for a bit, yeah? Yeah, I still was with yep. back, back. So, yeah, went away from the private Honda. Then, you know, Honda freebie went back to Motor Logic. That's right, yep. And then, um, yeah, look, it was, um, yeah, it was tough times. Paul tried his, tried really hard to make the bikes better and stuff and had things out of his control. And again, 2011, I think four or five mechanical DNFs, mm. fair few pole positions, fair few race wins. And, um, yeah, started the year, I was thinking I was leading the first race by, I don't know, four and a half seconds of Phillip Island and, uh, got a hole in the radiator or something random. Jeez. DNF the first year, first race of the year. Mate, the amount of times that I've DNF the first race of the year at Phillip Island, holy hell. Again, this year, I was like, that's it. I was just like, here we go again. Start again. Start again. This is, a, this is like, uh, yeah, happening again. So um, that was pretty frustrating. Um, yeah, then we went to 2012. So, yeah, 2012. I think we were short by four points, 2012. Yep. So pretty, another pretty tight one. Oh, you've had a few of those. Yeah, top three since uh, 2008. Wow. So always won races and been top three no matter what I've ridden. Led the championship at various points. But, um, yeah, it's been – yeah, that was the, the Honda era. So it was really, really good. And then, um, yeah, end of 12, I've got no ride. I've so wore, just dried up? I've worn, I've worn out my welcome with freebie, I'd say, by <laughs> being too hard or the clash of personalities, which is – the way it is, there's no grudges or doesn't mean he's a good person or I'm a I'm a bad person or you know any of those things. Um, it just it just wasn't working and um, you know we had Josh Hook there knocking down the door for whatever reason. Honda thought that was a better option. Yep, it's yeah, it's just the reality of life, isn't it? You see it in every every team over the years. Someone comes through every time and yeah, brings up different personality traits as well. Yeah, definitely. And and Jamie Stouffer was my teammate. So he had someone that was probably really relaxed. 
yep. versus someone that was so hungry and to win that, you know, you know, he was he was probably at a different point of his career maybe then to me. Yep. And um, yeah, it was so yeah, and, and um, yeah, so they they went with Jamie and Hooky and um, yeah, but yeah, Jamie was probably one of the one of the. He was a really good teammate. It was good fun. Good to be with Jamie. Oh yeah, we had these good times and yeah, it was unbelievable. That's cool. Twenty thirteen, you get back to Phil Tainton. Oh, to Phil Tainton for the first time. First time? Yeah. yeah. You got the offer to do Phil Tainton, but yeah. didn't take it up. What was that like? Because you uh, worked with industry giants over those years, you know, Paul Free the year before, go to Phil Tainton as teams. Yeah. The two of the best at the time. Yeah. What was yeah. it like? Um, well, it was always funny because um, I remember for various times, Lynn, uh, Phil's wife would always have a chair in the garage with a hat and a shirt on it saying, it's there for you. Like, uh, this is like, you know, when I'm wow. the main rival in the championship versus Josh. Yep. Always giggle about it and, um, you know, got invited to Phil's birthday parties and those things. And I wasn't, I was the main rival. They probably wanted to hate, kill me at times. But, um, yeah. And then uh, I remember, I remember Josh, I was out, he knew I was out to ride Josh and we were pretty close at the time. And a water that is for the riding for Suzuki. And he said, oh, you'll be all right, mate. Don't worry. And um, I had no idea that he was going overseas. Mm. And uh, he said, you'll be all right. And then I got the phone call from Phil and, um, yeah, went in to see him and, their biggest thing was they they said to me, we've won a million titles, we haven't won any, you deserve to win, we want you to win. And um, they did everything in their power to basically, you know, ensure that I could uh, win. Wow. What a big statement to make walking into a team straight away, eh? Yeah, and I was like, it was, I was so lucky. Like, they were so good to me. They changed my outlook on racing. They changed the way I thought. They, yeah, they were really good and... Um, you know, it didn't start off that well. I think I fell off the bike three times in the first four days. Wow. And uh, I said, this isn't working, Phil. We need to change something. And he, you know, to his credit. Now, and it wasn't only him. Warren Monson was my crew chief, which he was he was unbelievable. Yep. Um, you know, he was really good. I always had a great connection with him. And, um, yeah, it was – I remember the – you know, we were quite good at times. We struggled a little bit. Dunlop had some new ties and then they brought some other new ones in. And then once we got that momentum going, I remember – yeah, our first dominant weekend, which was in Sydney, to win, you know, win four races was it was a double round weekend. To win four races was yeah, I'll never forget that. That changed my life. Was that a good bike, the 2013? Unbelievable. Really? Ah, oh, unbelievable. So what about I've got it? it? I've got it at home. I still, Did you keep it? Yeah, the Suzuki gave me that bike. Yeah. That's a that's a cool memento. Yeah. So and and it just what it just turned, braked, power, just it just was a good thing. Yeah, it just worked for me. So you know, and Phil's. Phil and Warren, the way they developed the engine and stuff, the power was so smooth and so much of it and all the right places. Yeah. And, um, yeah, again, that year we got some upgrades as well and, like, they never, they just never stopped. They just wanted to get the bike better and better and better. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was sensational. I had the time of my life. Over the years, like, obviously, uh, two more super Superbike titles later, have you got to keep any of them? No, so um, Trevor Hedge has got my Honda from the following year that I won both FX titles on from 2014. I've seen that recently. Yeah, I know. He wants it. I need to. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not so attached to the bikers in like the numbers and all the rest yep. of it. It's just having it there because when you look at it, the memories still come back, whether it's the right frame number or whatever. So mm. I do need to find one mm. um, of that and make it look and just park it next to the Suzuki. I've got my Morawaki 80 as well, my first road race yeah. bike. Yeah. Ah, cool. So, yeah. Yep. So, look, I've got a few good things along, a few good memories along the way. So, it's pretty cool. Duke? Craig said he'll build me one. Okay, cool. He'll give me one, yeah. Yeah, it's cool, cool to have those sort of mementos because there's so much work by a lot of people that goes into those memories. Oh, there is, yeah. and that's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I've seen Hedgie's one for sale, I think. 
Did you? I think. I think oh, it's that I one. I might lowball him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that and like, yeah, I was like, wow, it's actually not too bad a price either. Um, but yeah, pretty cool machine. Yeah. So 2013, Australian Superbike champion. Good feeling? Yeah, unbelievable feeling. Yeah. What what do you, what happens on that day? Like you obviously win it. You get home. Do you just sit by yourself and go, shit, I've finally done this? Oh, I normally, that normally comes um, – I won it in the first race. I, I passed – I think I passed Allen in the last lap, Philip Island. Won it in the first – I always wanted to win the race and win the title. I didn't have to. Yep. Won get the, it done. Won the race. And that, and that time, I the lap I did in qualifying, everything was just setting up for a good weekend. I'd been really, really good. And, um, yeah, to win the title. And um, we had one more race to go and I wanted to go. I wanted to win that race as well. Um, but I, I didn't, the heavens opened up and it rained, so I didn't win that race. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was just a, I sat in the truck and just, just tried to let it sink in. You think I've finally, mm. I've finally, finally done it. I've set a year of PB lap times and, you know, it's been unbelievable. But it, it was kind of a, I felt like, a, like it was great feeling and stuff, but I felt kind of a little bit robbed because my good, the guy that had beaten me a number of times before Waters wasn't there. So for me, I was like, Oh well, I'm only one because he's not here. Right. So I was that 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 part of it, you know, was whatever, and it was a bit of a bittersweet. Hundred sort of gotten didn't want me, you know. I don't think they won a race that year at all. Yeah. So to win, you know, to win all the races, like not all the races, but between Allen and myself and Robbie Bugden, I think won one or two. It was pretty cool. So to do that, and um, but I knew there was, you know, there'd be more to come. Does the like when that day happens, does the doors to Suzuki just open and there's just, you know, gold there and his, <laughs> what happens after like the week well, after you, you no, get was, the boot? <laughs> no, it was all good. Well, yeah. it, was, it was pretty funny actually because it was not funny at the time. I remember getting a call from, um, yeah, getting a call from uh, Phil saying, yeah, I was, I was like, where's my contract? But I had the utmost trust and respect for Phil and Lynn that I was, oh, whatever, it'll come. Yep. They, they've been here for 25 years. They ain't going anywhere. And then, um, yeah, Suzuki are like, we're out, we're done. We're, we're pulling the pin. That's mm. it. And, um, yeah, so that was in January. So I had nothing. It was in January. Oh, geez. So, so January through all Christmas. I had a good Christmas, relaxed, yeah. Yep. Yeah, got, got married in 2013. And, um, yeah. Super white Yeah, everything. Married. It was an yep. awesome year. It was just, I had the time of my life. My wife, Brooke, it was, we were having the best fun. Nothing was a drama. Yeah, getting paid well, yep. you know, easy as. Then all of a sudden... No, no job. Man, that's hard. <laughs> no mate. job in January. Yep. Yeah. So happy New Year. So, and, and you've been on this a few times. You know, the Honda, Honda. It's happened those time that era. Yeah. Happened Suzuki, obviously later. So, see, so you went back to Honda though, didn't you? Yeah, freebie, freebie. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Tony Hinton, freebie. The guys from Link International. Yeah. Like really, they sort of propped, they propped me up. Yeah. And um, yeah, and that that's um, you know, that was an um, again another. It was uh, 2014 was a another year of highs. I had no obviously Suzuki had no um, position for Warren in the race team. Yep, he still was at PTR at the shop at Phil Tate Racing, so he came away to the races with me with Honda. So um, you know for him he'd never worked on anything but a Suzuki really. It was pretty wow. pretty weird, and um, him to come across and you know we brought across our philosophy to Honda, which made the overall team good that year. Uh, Honda won. You know, it was there was four riders, so there was myself, Jamie, yeah, um, Herfoss and Hooky. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and we won every race they're in. One of us four won it that year. Damn, it's pretty solid, isn't it? Oh, unbelievable! Like I think we filled out the podium number amount of times. We were first, second, third, and fourth. 
Um, you know, and it was pretty good because at that time we had the split between, you know, Yamaha were thinking they were going all right in life in FX, yes. which was a, you know, a, a really, as I've always seen it in a second rate series because I felt that we were the best riders in ASBK. Yep. And then to come across to FX and absolutely crush Yamaha's dominance, they didn't win a race, maybe got one podium, I can't remember, but yeah, didn't win a race. And um, yeah. We, we, we went faster than anyone had ever gone at all the tracks. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a amazing feeling for us at Honda and, um, yeah, another year of good times. Was that a messy year in the sport? Just with, It just seemed like there was just so much happening around then, like the split FX, a, ASC? Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a very messy time. Yeah. It, it wasn't good for the overall sport yep. at all um, and all, all for the industry because they were divided between mm. it. Um, but then, yeah, then after, you know, in that time, ASBK, like a, a MA, most of Australia have been working hard and um, they started firing back up. If you look at it now, and we'll, we'll go back to that, if you look at it now, it seems in a pretty good place. Yeah, it's in a really good place. Yeah, I think like, you know, the the, the regulation's good. Yep. The competition's good. The costs are quite good. You know, like we spoke about on the way in, maybe the testing costs are out of control. They need to stop because that costs as much as going racing. So we just need to either race more or yep. do something about that. But um, yeah, overall, it's pretty cool. Do you think, um, like after riding forever, you know, do you think the Friday practice, if you have a good run at Friday practice, that's more than enough or do you really need to go for another test before? No, I think it's more than enough. I think like the rookies maybe because until we get that transition of the riders flowing through a bit Mm -hmm. more, I think the rookies or someone that's out of the bottom 10, like someone that's not in the top 10 or top 8 or whatever they decide, I think they need the opportunity to close the gap. Yep. But um, overall... No, I don't think that, to, like, you know, does Troy Herfoss need to do more laps around Morgan Park? Like, does Mike Jones need to do more laps around Morgan Park? No. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's definitely an interesting so, one. And then, yep. and then also I'm in the same boat as those guys, not to single them out. But, yeah, same deal. Like, do I need to do more laps at Phillip Island? Yeah. No. Nah. Because you look at the money, like, uh, two, two days we came up for three weeks ago here. Yeah. Uh, you had, what, three people with you? Yeah. You know, all volunteering and that, but it's still people's time and there's still a lot of money. Travel. There's entries, travel, everything. Yeah. Uh, Spent if, mainly money on coffees, not tyres that day, watching the yeah, rain. Lots of coffee that day. <laughs> <laughs> but that you look at you look at that, if everyone comes in on Friday morning with a level playing field, you don't need to do the test because you're all in the same boat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So um, that's the, that's the uh, go. But also... You know, the privateers aren't exposed to that time, so we need to try to get no, – not the privateers, the, the rookies aren't exposed yeah. to that time, so they need to have a bit more track time. Like you get like Max Dalfer and that, like obviously doing a good job where he's at, but just needs more time. Like he does need more time. Yeah, and the way that sometimes the weather's been here, I think he said he did 25 laps yeah. between Darwin and Morgan Park. Like that's not enough for a – No. Physically or um, mentally for a rookie. Absolutely. Uh, 14, you win the title with Honda. You stay with Honda for – no, you jump ship to the Yamaha. Yeah. The new Yamaha. At that time, obviously, there was a stint overseas for uh, insurance. Yep. uh, On probably what I call the most beautiful-looking motorcycle made. Yeah, yeah. Did you like it? Uh, It was a bit of a bus, but uh, (laughs) it was a bit of a bus. And it was, uh, again, it was was good. I learned learned a lot. Yeah. I learned where I sat in the pecking order of riders because you're on the same bike because I got to ride with some, you know, Tommy Bridewell and some other guys overseas. So I knew... Sort of where I was at, my level of riding and the level in Australia. Yep. And um, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, it looked like like for me that that bike was was a pretty damn cool beautiful yeah. bike. You know. Yeah. Uh, now jumping on that Yamaha, it was the first year of that model. Was that any good? Um, yeah, it was really like it was really good. 
Yep. So um, it took a lot because it was our first real year with understanding fly-by-wire and to be honest, Yamaha was so, so secretive really? <laughs> in the first year. And, I, and again, I brought Warren. He came to Yamaha with me again. Wow. So yep. that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good time and bits and pieces. And yeah, we just had a few races where we weren't quite good enough maybe. And in the end, I think we lost by one point or something. So it was pretty tight. But um, yeah, we still won a lot of races and had a good time. It was a nice bike to ride once you got set up. Yeah, when it worked, when the Yamaha R1 worked, it was it was beautiful. It, it, I it was an amazing bike to ride. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. In the end, the my relationship with Yamaha grew and grew and grew, and I enjoyed my time like there. And you know, they we've still we're still mates now. So to me, it must have been, uh, it's been right. yeah, it must have been alright. Jumping back to Phil Tayton, was wh- why that happen? Why? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I always knew that Phil. Phil was really good, yep. and, and Lynn, you know, they were always really good and more close to them. Yep. But um, yeah, they. I think Phil pushed really hard for me to be there. You know, there was there was other people at Suzuki that wanted other guys, right? But um, Phil pushed really hard for me to be there. So my payback for him was win races. Feel good that bike? Yeah, loved it. Might, might bring it out to a historic race or something. Nearly be old enough now, wouldn't it? We'd nearly be able to. Oh, getting close. <laughs> yeah, one of the club rounds or something. <laughs> Do you keep that? Do you have that one? Yeah, I still got that one. Yeah, the, yeah. the 2017. No, no, I don't. No, I only got 2013. Oh, the 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Yep. So yeah, I jumped back to Phil. Sorry, after Yamaha. After yeah, Yemi. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yep. How did that come about? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, Breedy was running the team then. So Dale Breed, he was yep. running the team. Um, yeah. Look, and then yeah, obviously they'd had they'd had a really good year in 17. They you know they won in 17 with Josh, yep. which was unexpected. Um, 18, they had a really bad year. Mm. Yeah, and uh, Yamaha cut budget again they're like we don't have the money to pay you what we're paying you yep. and I try to manipulate it say get rid of all the other riders and staff and then just you know keep it the same but they wanted to have two bikes on the grid yep. so yeah so that was a that was the case so um, yeah I started hunting around and went over to Suzuki and said well yeah you guys know how good I am you know here we go you need, need to be on the bike and then again from the first test I was fast straight away first handful of laps yep I was, um, you know, fast, faster than Josh at the first on the first day on the handful of laps. Wow! And then um, went to the test. I broke my collarbone about ten days before, got it plated. Went to the first test. Was fast at the test at Phillip Island. Yep. And um, then yeah, obviously the year started off. We won the first race. Wagner took me out in the second one, and then yeah, I was injured in the third one. So whatever we finished, but yeah, we we set up a pretty good year and took the title fight right down to the right down to the end. And um, again. Yeah, fell short by whatever we did, five or six points. Damn. And uh, yeah, but um, you know those the two DNFs got taken out twice that year. Once at Tail and Bend, once there, and we lost the title by seven points. So I was like, well, I was the best guy here again. Yeah. We need to make it work. And here we are. Yeah. You're you've been able to uh, win on bikes that globally haven't won a little bit. So yeah. 2013 G6R thousand did all right, but you won a title on it. Honda. In 2014, you've won the title on it. What you just got some sort of connection with those, or what? Uh, no, I don't know. I just um, just be able to make it. I don't know. I just don't even look at. I don't listen to any of the external noise. I say this bike's a heap of shit. It can't win anywhere. I just work with what I got. Yep. Get the most out of it, and um, yeah, and um, that's the biggest thing. I think I just work on the things I can control, and yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky that. I don't know. It was just you know, in this country, we get away with it because of the regulation a bit more. Yeah, yep. you know, um, yeah. So the Honda was a really good bike and a really good team. Suzuki was the same. I think the team 
is what gets it. And we get some Mickey Mouse style tracks here that you probably don't see in the World Championship. So yeah, true. Yeah, lucky to get away with it. Yeah, it's just interesting with that because yeah, some of those you look at it and you think, I wonder, wonder why, you know. But um, fourteen, were you on Pirelli? Or were you stuck with the Dunlop? No, it was a controlled tyre Dunlop, but Pirelli at the non at the like uh, World Superbike and MotoGP. Yep. Yeah, I was interested because you said the modal support or the link yeah. support there. I was wondering how that all was going on. So yeah. Now going back to obviously two years at Suzuki, were they a good good couple of years to be back in that house? Yeah, so it was it was a it was a two year deal at Suzuki. Yep. Um so it was yeah, nineteen twenty. I had a two year contract. Yep. And um yeah, so I was like, Oh, this is pretty good, two years, pretty good, went close in the first year. We we'd spoken about what we needed to do to improve in the second year and normally, you know, Phil sort of uh you know, he doesn't like losing twice. Yep. So he was um, pretty eager to get it going. And then um, again, I think it was December, I was away working yep. in 2019, got the call, said um, Suzuki have pulled out. And I thought, oh, at the time I had a two-year contract, I thought, well, they have to pay out my contract so I can go somewhere and take a little bit of a salary cut or use that to make it work for something. So A, my family's okay. Yep. Got a bit of financial security. Yeah, yep. And then in the end, the small clause in the contract said, if we don't race at all, we don't have to pay you out. Really? So they wanted to cut back initially to one bike, yep. but then they would have to pay Josh his money. Yep. So then in the end, it was all too much. So they pulled out totally, which was pretty sad. Um, you know, they tried to make it work. We tried to get some external sponsors, but it was all too late. You know, just so disappointing because they know, they don't just make the decision overnight. They're looking at budgets from, you know, June, yep. you know, all the way through. And um, yeah, and to risk your life and fight. And for those people just to say, oh, well, it doesn't suit us or, you know, you'll be right. How are you going to feed your family? And they've got no, no, you know, the manufacturers don't give two shits about you personally. You try to kill yourself and do everything every weekend when you put your helmet on. That's the most disappointing part about the industry. It's, that's, that's what, you know, there's no warning or you can't plan your life. You've got, you got two months to replace an income. Yeah. and that you've spent a lifetime working and put everything into. So that part of it for me, that's what I don't like about the racing and how the manufacturers, you know, a guy, you know, I, I want 100 grand to ride. Oh, that's extreme. You pay a guy 60 grand to drive around a forklift, pick yeah. parts, yeah. pull yourself together. Like, you know, that's that's the annoying part. And, and you look at uh, risk, obviously one thing, but you look at the eyeballs that are drawn to it. I remember Chad Reed saying it once, like I've sold more bikes in like the South Pacific region than any of your ambassadors globally, why wouldn't a manufacturer support me? Yeah. And it's exactly right. Like the eyeballs that you draw to it are more than most of the people that are in the tower making that decision. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a frustrating part. And yep. and you've got a small lifetime. Mm. You don't I can't drive around the forklift till I'm sixty five. Yep. I've got to make I've got to make, you know, a whole lot of lifetime and you know, in a small time. Winning the titles, like you look at three three Australian superbike titles plus the two in 2014 of what, ASC yeah. and there's an FX title yeah. as well. Yeah. Can you make a living racing bikes here? Yeah, I th you can definitely yeah. make a living, yeah. I've been pretty lucky but I've, it's sort of – the good thing about it is you can do other stuff as well. Right. So, um, yeah, you can do that. I think a lot of the support comes from your personal sponsors as well. I've been lucky to have a great network of personal sponsors that have stuck by me and supported me throughout the years so that part of it's been pretty pretty like pretty lucky yeah um so yeah it's it's pretty good but you can make a you can have a good life work life balance yep and uh make a living so that's that's what i fear for the next generation i hope they get to experience it you know the, the good times we've had it's obviously slowly gotten worse 
when I talk to guys that are older than me, they're like, oh, it was good. We used to get paid this or whatever. Yep. So that part of it's um, getting worse, unfortunately. It is. And without the support of outside industry, like, you know, you look at the companies that are supported without mentioning them, they continually to support the riders here locally. But just trying to find that outside industry is very hard. Yeah. And that's when you talk about the championship before, that's it's at that critical balancing point yep. where it needs to take that next step. But the investment that needs to be made to take that next step is... Um, I'm not sure how they're going to do that. Well, if you if you're in that tool seat in MA, what would you do to make it better? Um, currently, it's difficult to say without knowing all the budgets and all the rest of how it works. Of course, but I mean, we need to we need to get the people like basically the way I see it is pretty basic. I'd keep it pretty basic. Is that wherever I can go to a ride day, I've always said it for a million years, and I can walk around and not many people that ride motorbikes not all of them don't know who i am mm-hmm. that's a massive issue they're people who like motorbikes yeah. and they don't know who the supposed best rider in australia is yep. and they're at ride days riding around on sports bikes yep. so to me like you know you need to get the, that, that targeted audience first yep. and then move on to you know move on to trying to work out outside the industry there because like if you look at the the term everyone used low-hanging fruit they already like motorbikes. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah, not take the easy one. Yeah, yeah, that's the easy one. You know, yeah, they already 100%. like bikes, so there's a good start there. You talk of legacies and like people talk of legacies and that in sport. Like you're doing Ovale here in Australia, you've got an event this weekend, which we'll touch on. Um, is that like I, I we my partner filmed a lot of stuff down on the podium and that the other day. You're like the king of the kids at the moment. There's a lot <laughs> of kids high fiving you and everything as you come in. Does that feel like a bit of a legacy thing for you that you're leaving here as well, as being a developer of it? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm not old enough to remember being that young and looking up to mm. riders, thinking, "Did that guy even notice me?" And the, you know, and they don't. Back then, they probably didn't notice me or whatever. So I spend a massive interest in knowing all their names, meeting their parents, yep. and doing all that, and being an open book. If you can ring me up and ask me a question about what you should do with your kid or do all that, yep. I'm, or what you think's the best option, I'll give you the honest answer. Sometimes it's probably not the one they want to hear yep. or whatever, but. Um, yeah, look, that's that's what I like about it, and they're, and they're the future. Those kids are the future. They can be, they can be whatever they want to be. You know what I mean? And and there's so much talent. They've they've been doing it a lot of them from a young age, and there's so much talent. And I've got kids that are, as well. Yeah. You know, so I understand that more so maybe than I did earlier. But you know, they're all the ones with the posters at home on their walls. They're yeah. all the ones that you know wake up in the morning and probably look at look at a poster of me and think you know, what influence you can have on their life. So I'm happy to give them any time of the day if they want it. And at the end of the day, no different to you. I like talking about motorbikes and they do as well. So that, that's, that's all the same, same stuff. We're just different ages. But the Sunday afternoon, I think it was race two, like the footage I've got, and there's just a hive of kids. Like, And we know what they race in at the track, but they're obviously going to be racing a lot of them this weekend with yeah. your event. Like, wow, that's it's working. You know, there's kids coming up, idolizing someone and don't mean to try and, make you uh <laughs> you know whatever but yeah they idolize you they're like yeah it was pretty cool to see and i was looking back at the footage through this week when i was doing some editing things for things for work i'm like that's pretty cool so yeah and I, and I feel a sense of responsibility like mm. i'm like i can't say if there's a hole there put your motorbike in it so if, yep. I, don't, if I don't do that on track or monkeys you know yeah. do what i say not what i do do both so yeah tell me and we we're going going pretty good for time but we'll rush this through a bit too but uh, the Ducati is. You're, you're there now. Did you ever think you'd be riding a Ducati? <laughs> no, not really. No, not at all. But um, how'd that come about? So 
I, that, it's back to the Suzuki thing. I was hearing whispers. I'll cut back. That's when I knew yep. they'll cut back to one bike, but I sort of knew Suzuki's history. Mm. Walking through the back of the pits of Phillip Island, bumped into Craig's brother, Dale, Big Dale, right. runs a pit board. And um, I remember saying, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. What are you guys doing? I knew that Craig's bikes were always he's, – he's the best Ducati guy in Australia. You can – you know, people can argue what they want, but he's a, he's a gun, you know. And, um, yeah, so – and I knew his bikes were good. Craig and I used to race each other when we, for years ago. Yep. I always watched him and stuff and always knew all his bikes were immaculate. And then I was working for Champions Ride Days. So yep. I, used, I was doing a lot of the Perth leg. And um, Craig used to come over with Fraser's then and do stuff. So we always get the red eye home. So after the day of ride days, we'd always go and have Nando's together, yeah. hang out for a few hours while we wait for the red eye flight. And, you know, we always got along good and stuff. And you Scott and Nicole from Champions were close with Craig because they were from country town, New South Wales, similar, hung out when they were younger. Right. And so all that connection started to happen. And then Craig, I seen Craig that had boost on the, he'd had boost on his bike. I'm like, well, how can we leverage boost to try to, you know, Get them a bit more involved and supportive, and um, so Lex one or another guy we know that we're close with, you know, the guy Jason from Boost, and then we sort of grew, and then we said, "This is what we want to do." They a team like that needs someone that's got a reasonable reputation for sure, and someone that's got a reasonable following, and then yeah, just started like that. So basically, when Suzuki told me, I rang Craig, said, "Yeah, it's done." Um, I said, "How much money do we need?" I said, um, "You know, I'll come ride the bike before I waste time. I might be hopeless on it." So I went to Wakefield Park, had a, one last thing to do from Dale because he still had Canberra Motorcycle Centre at the time. Yep. At uh, Wakefield Park a day with his customers, which was always fun. And the next day there was a ride day. So yeah, I rolled out on the V4R and um, I think my 19, 19th lap was a 57.6 or something like that. Wow. And so and it was going to be a pretty hot day, 35 degrees or something. So yeah, I think I was in the car by about 12.30 on the way home. Well, I was chasing money to make the deal work. Far out. Pretty pretty quick start to it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so that's it. They rolled the, basically rolled the bike out of how Jamie rode it at Eastern Creek. Yep. And um, yeah, I changed some gearing and a few things in the morning in the first few laps at Wakefield. And um, yeah, then I just was lucky. Just I just got after a lap and it worked. And yeah, did it feel uh, good straight away? Different. Yeah, yeah different. But yep. I mean, the fact that it was different and I could go fast, I was like, right, we're on here. Yep. There's yep. something to work with. Yep. You look at, like, uh, in memory of, like, Craig McMartin riding, um, it's clinical. You know, really detailed. That's what his work's like too, isn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. The preparation yeah. of the bikes is, um, yeah, unbelievable. He prides himself on it. Yeah. He's like the, uh, yeah, he slit his, slit his throat like, a, you know, a Japanese warrior of it was, <laughs> you know, Hari Curry was no good. Loves Ducati's name. Oh, he doesn't know anything else. I reckon if you asked him to work on a Honda, he'd be lost. If you know good, he's just... He'd burn. Yeah, he, he, wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't do it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, two you know, two seasons of winning super white titles in a row. It's huge, eh? Yeah, it is. And, like, you know, obviously, um, you know, we've touched on it before, but we're not factory Ducati. We're not yep. factory Honda. We're not factory Yamaha. We're just a little old privateer team running out of Craig's garage from home. And, um, yeah... It just shows that when you've got the right group of people and people with all the same goals that you can, um, you know, that obviously has its advantages. You don't have the politics of the big manufacturers and all the stuff, but you also don't have the budget, so you've got to make every post a winner. Yep. Now, name, tell me a good day of motorsport that you've had. <laughs> good day of motorsport. Yeah. Oh, I mean, um, I reckon the bend at the end of last year was pretty special. Like Jack, Jack was there. I yep. mean, you know. To be fair, our bike was better than Jack's. You know, that's no obvious. But he also is the 
you know, was the fourth best motorcycle rider in the world last yeah. year. So, um, yeah, so for that, it was pretty, that part of it was pretty special to be able to race him and to do what he's done for it, our sport. Just the, It was just like a perfect storm. Everyone had been locked in their houses for two years. Yep. We'd been opened up, so it was a massive event. Jack had come back and created all this um, hype. So to see all those people, passionate motorbike fans, it was like nearly being at a MotoGP um, the sort of the, the positivity and the people have that they look forward to this one event. Um, that part of it was pretty cool and to, um, yeah, do it in the style we did it in and, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I loved it. Favourite track? Um, Phillip Island's definitely up there. When you get a lap right, right around that joint, it's an unbelievable feeling. So fast, our bike's moving all the time. It's, yep. um, yeah, it's unreal. Now, like... When you're when you're winning, like what what does it feel like to win? Like what do you, do you still just love it? <laughs> Not like, boring. It doesn't get you never get sick of it. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's addictive. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, it's addictive. So, but um, yeah, I guess you expect to win. And then when you don't, that's that's the hard one. That's the roller coaster you got to pick yourself up from. Yeah. Um, and, and and same in the team that I'm in. When we don't win, they look at me like, and I look at them like, well, this is shit, isn't it? This is mm-hmm. there's no future in this. Yeah. So um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it is addictive, but it's an, it's no other certain. It has different feelings, like the win the win on the weekend at Morgan Park, the style that we did it in the second race. Yep, um, a lot different to the first. That's a you know that was a different thing. I had to take a different approach and to think on the fly and make it work. Yep, is um that part of it was pretty cool and to pass Mike into theirs. Yeah, pretty cool. I was pretty amped after the race. I haven't been. I haven't felt like that for a long, long time. Huge move. That's good. That's good <laughs> racing. That's yeah. that's what, as a fan, you just want to see that. That's everything. So do you miss the days of riding super sport and superbike on the same day? Um, No. No? No, I don't think you'd be able to do it now. Too hard? I think the level's too high. Yeah, okay, yep. The level's too high. So it'd be interesting to see if anyone could do it. Yeah, I, it's one of those things I remember it happening and I, I just can't fathom how it did happen. Like looking at it now, like you look at an event like the weekend, I just don't see how it could work. No, yeah. And like I said before, I like to think it's a bit disrespectful to you yeah. competitors. It's like, you know, me only riding super like by the end, of, you know. We used to do double rounds then too. That's right. Double yeah. double rounds in both classes. That's right. So you used to have a practice qual- uh, qualifying Saturday morning, qualifying Sunday morning. No, I think we no. So we start Thursday. We just start Thursday, practice Thursday, right. qualify Friday, then like the result from one maybe went to the other. I can't remember now. We'd right. have just anyway. By the time you were Winton two bikes double round. By the time you're coming around in the last two bike race, you're just like a blurry. It's like it's you're out of your body experience. It's like you're you're wrecked. I think one of the cost things that has happened over the time is they did cut those days out. Yep. Remember, it was you used to rock up to the track like went bump in like on a Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, that's. Practice Thursday. Thursday, Friday. Like, yeah. that's a lot of time to be out. Yes, but sometimes if they got rid of testing altogether and just practiced Thursday afternoon, yep. like, you still save a couple of days of travel. For sure. Yeah. So that is yeah. an option. Cut the tests and do that instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, mate. O'Valley, talk about your event this weekend. I'll pump this out this other so we get something. Yeah, well. perfect. So the event this weekend is um, pretty exciting. Ipswich International Kart Track. It's a it's another you know one kilometer track, great facility. Um, you know, round three of the FIM Mini GP, so um, pretty exciting. It's been pretty fiercely fought fought at the front. We've had a few different race winners. We've had rain each round, some of the races, and um, yeah, we got the you know Australia's best ten to fourteen year old kids. 
So, um, yeah, pretty exciting. Young Harry Watts is leading uh, leading the championship there and Tieran Fleming in second. I think, um, I can't remember who's running third. I think it's Levi Russo's in, in third. And, yeah, we've got young Judd Playstead. He's from South Australia. He's only, he's only uh, just turned uh, 11, so he's pretty young. And, yeah, it's pretty exciting for the future of racing. How'd you get into Ovalle? So... Am I, was, I saying it right too? Yeah, Ovalle. I I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was... Um, so Nick and Dim, who are my two partners. Yep. Um, Nick was overseas, got getting married. Seen was somewhere near a racetrack. He'd been to Magello or somewhere. Seen these guys riding these bikes around on the car track. He's like, that's pretty cool. And then got home. Facebook. Seen this picture of Petrucci. He was riding one of the first Pramac ones. Wow. Right. And he's like, is that like a supersized picture? And I started sending him a message. He still got the messages. We pull them out sometimes for a laugh. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, he yeah got into that, and then um, they started it, and they had a few bikes, but not being from the motorbike industry, but successful in other businesses, it's probably struggled to get traction. And then I was in an event once, and they asked me to come on, like come and have a ride, have a ride of the bike, and I was like, oh yeah, first like everyone, or that little bike, I don't know about yep. that. Rode it, I was like, this is all right, this is gonna be a credit, this 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 could actually work all right, this whole bike thing fell off it I think after a few laps or whatever like I do <laughs> and um, yeah and then went from there and then they like they also had a event business which was called Moto Tuesdays they used to run it uh, like a high cart go kart track yep and um, then after so during that time they'd been working on getting into a full size go kart track with a local club and bits and pieces and um, yeah so first batch of bikes I said yeah I'll take one and bits and pieces then after that they said oh well, do you want, we, we need someone in our business that knows about motorbikes and whatever so I got into the business with them. They were generous enough to have me in the business in the ride day part of it and the events part. Yep. And um, yeah, first bikes, I think we ordered 10. Next one, we ordered a container. We were shitting ourselves. Wow. We ordered a container, 28 bikes. They were all sold before they landed. And Jeez. the next, and that just went on and went, that just went on for the first two years, basically. Yep. And um, now we finally can hold stock and we've got stuff going on. Um, yeah, we've been successful enough to sell you know, a bunch of containers over the last few years and, um, yeah, it's going really, really well. So, um, you know, Dim and I basically spend most days working in the business now to grow it. Yeah. Um, you know, so the next part is, I guess, we want to grow to an academy, have an academy. You know, yeah. this year we're taking the top two from our championship to the world final in Spain, which is pretty special. 16 yes. other countries yep. get to race at uh, the last round of MotoGP at Valencia. So they're going to race on the Wednesday, Thursday. They get a mentor. You get every country gets a mentor. So Remy and Jack will be our mentors, and Joel yep. for Australia. Um, all the MotoGP riders attend. You know, pretty special for the kids. Like absolutely. This year, take top three in the championship to Australian Grand Prix yep. to the press conference. They get to hang out there. Pretty cool as a ten to fourteen year old. Imagine it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I thought I was a rock star. Those likes of kill. They're already ahead of me. Oh mate, they are. They <laughs> they're so. I don't know. You just look at them and they're just so polished, so good. You know, yeah. like there's actual skills, really good skill sets, you know, even just off the bike as well. It's yeah. pretty special. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I think, I've been, as a round, all-rounded rider, yep. I've been lucky enough, as I said, to have a bunch of personal sponsors and stuff that have followed me. Mm. And to keep those sponsors and do that has been the difficult, oh, that's difficult to do, have the same sponsors back-to-back -back and yep. do that. So that's what I want to teach these kids because it's it's actually a business now. It's not just being able to ride a motorbike fast. Yep. It's a business. So that's what I want to help these kids and their families to, to make it sustainable so they can have a good time. I ride, I've ridden mountain bikes with Harry Watts. Yeah, killer. Yeah, like it's like even still like twelve years old or whatever, fourteen years old. It's it's so dedicated. It's awesome. 
Yeah, it is. It is. So, um, yeah, pretty. Uh, I, I get excited by it. To yep. be honest with you, I get a massive kick out of it, yep. and um, I can't wait to be able to. You know, we've seen how good Damien Cudlin's done with his Moto Stars thing. Sure. Damien and I are one day apart in age, rivals from kids racing. Yep. So, um, you know, we got. A, I've got a huge respect for what he's done, and um, I hope. You know, you can't do – the thing is I've said to even Damien from the start is obviously everyone wants to be protective about their business, but I can't do everything, he can't do everything, but we can make a difference together. Mm. So hopefully that's the plan. Mate, that's awesome. Give us a uh, competitor. Who's the, who's the toughest competitor over the years? Oh, Herfoss has been unbelievable. Yep. Um, Without disrespecting people, but who's the – yeah. Turn, turn. Herfoss has been un- unbelievable, to be honest with you. Um, that's why it, it breaks my heart a little bit to see him, like, not, you know – fighting a little bit at the moment um so yeah he's been unbelievable to, to race against um yeah probably the hardest hardest one especially at the end of the race when you want to get the get the wood on him it's it's difficult to do awesome mate well yeah thanks for coming in thanks nah. for making this happen it's um you've taken your whole family up here today with us <laughs> and yeah they're, they're out here as well so mate thank you Nah, thanks for having me mate I've, uh, we've had it on the we've been trying to do it for a while so to finally get it done and uh yeah it's a pleasure Thanks. Appreciate it, mate. That's all we have time for on today's show. If you get the chance, head over to YouTube and hit subscribe on the Talk and Chatter page. Also, head over to iTunes and give us a star rating and a review there. It all helps to get the podcast out there. A big thank you goes to everyone that's been doing this already, and uh, we'll be back with another show soon.